0: This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit Jodcast.net.
1: The night sky for December 2019. As darkness falls, we can still see, not far above the western horizon, or in fact towards the northwest, the bright stars Deneb in Cygnus, and Vega in Lyra. They're part of the summer triangle, but they're still visible quite late towards winter as the nights draw on. Setting towards the western horizon is the great square of Pegasus. Above that to the left is the constellation Andromeda, which contains, of course, the Andromeda galaxy M31. If you start from Alpharats, which is the top left-hand star of the square, actually Alpha Andromedae move one star to the left, fork round a little bit to a second bright star, then turn through 90 degrees right, another star, and then the same distance again. You should see a fuzzy smudge with binoculars, and even on a very dark, clear night with your unaided eye. Above Andromeda is the W-shaped constellation of Cassiopeia. And if you take the right-hand V, like a little arrow, actually points down towards Andromeda making another way to find it. Down to the left from Cassiopeia is the constellation of Perseus. Its brightest star is Murphak and has a star called Algol called the demon star because its brightness changes every so often. It's actually an eclipsing binary. And then there's another bright very bright star in the northern hemisphere which is called Capella which is the brightest star of our Riga. That's actually in the Milky Way, and there are some very nice open clusters that can be seen through a small telescope in our Riga. Then, of course, rising in the east is our winter sky. First of all, we have Taurus, with two open clusters, the Hyades cluster and the Pleiades, a wonderful little group of stars, sometimes called the Seven Sisters. In the Hyades cluster, or rather towards it, is the bright star, a red giant called Aldebaran. It's about halfway between us and the actual cluster. Then gradually rising in the southeast is that wonderful constellation of Orion the Hunter. The three stars that make up his belt point up towards the Hyades and the Pleiades, and down to the left, towards the brightest star in the northern hemisphere, Sirius in Canis Major. Up to the left, and rising in the east, is the constellation of Gemini with the heavenly twins. So, some lovely constellations to look at during this month of December. But what about the planets? Well, Jupiter, shining on the first of the month at magnitude minus 1.8, and with an angular size of 32 arc seconds, can be seen very low in the southwest as darkness falls but soon after it will be lost in the sun's glare. It lies in the southeastern part of Ophiuchus and heading towards the most southerly part of the ecliptic, so when it appears in the twilight will only have an elevation of about six degrees. With such a low elevation, atmospheric dispersion will take its toll, and the device called an atmospheric dispersion corrector, composed of two prisms, would greatly help improve our views of the giant planet and its four galilean moons now saturn will be seen west of south as darkness falls at the start of the month then its disc is 16 arc seconds across and the rings which are still open at about 24 degrees to the line of sight spanning some 36 arc seconds across during the month its brightness remains at plus 0.6 and its angular size at 15.4 arc seconds again now in Sagittarius and lying to the south-eastern side of the Milky Way, is at the lowest point of the ecliptic and only has an elevation of about 12 degrees after sunset. Now Mercury, following its transit of the sun on the 11th of November and reaching its greatest elongation west on the 28th of that month, it can be seen in the pre-dawn sky low in the southeast at the start of December. On the 1st, It will have a magnitude of plus 0.29 and will rise about an hour before the Sun. It will then have an elevation of some 9 degrees before being lost in the Sun's glare. With an angular size of about 5 arc seconds, it will then fall back towards the Sun and be lost from view by the middle of the month. Now Mars, at the start of its new apparition, can be seen towards the southeast in the pre-dawn sky. It rises some two and a half hours before the sun at the start of the month and will have an elevation of about 15 degrees before it's lost in the sun's glare. It then has a magnitude of plus 1.7 and an angular size of 3.9 arc seconds with a salmon pink disc. By month's end, it will be seen further round towards the south before dawn and its magnitude will have increased slightly towards plus 1.6. Venus may just be glimpsed in the southwest at the start of the month, but will be difficult to see due to the fact that the ecliptic is at a sallow angle to the horizon and Venus will have a very low elevation. As the month progresses, it will rise higher in the sky and on the 31st will have reached an elevation of about 14 degrees as darkness falls. During the month, its magnitude remains at about minus 4 magnitudes and its disk increases from 11.6 to 30 arc seconds across. A low horizon, and quite possibly binoculars, will be needed to spot Venus, but please do not use them until after the sun has set. Finally, some highlights of the month. Well, in the evening, it's quite a good time to look high in the southeast after dark, towards the constellations of Cassiopeia and Perseus. Perseus contains two interesting objects. The double cluster lying on the border between Cassiopeia and Perseus. Very lovely in binoculars or a small telescope. And Algol the demon star I mentioned earlier. It's an eclipsing binary system. Normally the pair has a steady magnitude of plus 2.2. But every 2.86 days this briefly drops to magnitude plus 3.4. December is still a good month to find Uranus. It reached opposition at the end of October. With a magnitude of plus 5.7, binoculars will easily spot it, and from a really dark site, it might even be visible to the unaided eye. A medium aperture telescope will reveal Uranus's 3.7 arc-second wide disk, showing its turquoise colour. It lies in Aries, close to the borders of Pisces and Cetus, as shown on the chart that you'll find in the Night Sky page I write for the observatory. Just search for Night Sky, Jodrell Bank. On the 1st of December, before dawn, looking southeast, you might see a nice line-up of Mercury, Mars, and the star Bica in Virgo. Arcturus will be seen high up to their left. On the 10th, after sunset, Venus lies just two degrees below Saturn. That would be worth looking for, but you need a very good low western horizon. On the 10th of December, the Moon, close to full, will lie between the Pleiades and Hyades clusters. On the 12th, before dawn, Mars at magnitude plus 1.67 will lie just above the double star Alpha Libri, Magnitudes plus 2.74 and plus 5.5. Despite its name, it's the second brightest star in Libra. And that would make a nice image using a small telescope and camera. We do have two meteor showers in December. On the mornings of December the 14th and 15th after midnight, there's a good chance of observing the peak of the Geminid meteor shower. The moon's at first quarter and will set about 11 p.m., so when Gemini is highest in the sky, its light will not hinder our view. The Gemini's can often produce near-fireballs, and so the shower is well worth observing, should it be clear. An observing location well away from towns and cities will pay dividends. The relatively slow-moving meteors arise from the debris released from the asteroid 3200 Phaeton. That's unusual, as most meteor showers come from comets. The radiant, which is where the meteors appear to come from, is close to the bright star Castor in the constellation of Germany, hence the name. If it's clear, it'll be cold, so wrap up well, wear a woolly hat, and have some hot drinks with you. Later that month, on the twenty second, twenty third, in the late evening, you might spot the Ursid meteor shower. The peak of about ten to fifteen meteors per hour is not that great. Sadly, this year, full moon is on the 21st, so its light will greatly hinder our view. The radiant lies close to the star Kokab in Ursa Minor, hence their name, so look northwards at high elevation. Occasionally, there can be a far higher rate, so it's worth having a go, should it be clear. And finally, I like to say something about objects you can see on the moon. And on the evenings of the 5th and the 18th, The terminator is close to what is called the straight wall, or Rupert's rector. To be honest, it's not really a wall at all, but a gentle scarp, as Sir Patrick has said. Neither is it a wall, nor is it straight. But it does actually look rather nice using a small telescope. So I do hope we get some more clear nights in December than we've had in November, and you have a chance to observe the heavens. Good hunting.
0: Thanks for that, Ian. And for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Haritina Mogoshanu and Samuel Lask with the night nice
2: sky where you are.
0: Kara from New Zealand.
2: Hello everyone.
0: I'm Haritina Mogoshanu.
2: And I'm Samuel Lasky.
0: And this time we went to Stonehenge Aotearoa, but don't worry, this is still in the Southern Hemisphere.
2: Stonehenge Aotearoa is the Centre for Archaeoastronomy in New Zealand. There is a beautiful observatory built there with ancient knowledge and modern technology such as surveyors and cement. This is literally a stone hinge. There are stones that mark the rising and setting of the sun at the solstices and the equinoxes. It's an amazing place in the middle of the most amazing dark sky that the North Island of New Zealand can provide. And since it's not far away from Wellington, we had the chance to pop over there and actually do some proper stargazing, rather than looking at the Dome of the Planetarium, which is all you can really do in Wellington.
0: And to be fair... Wairarapa has an amazing night sky, which rivals in beauty and darkness with the one from Lake Tekapo.
2: Well, in fact, as we were talking to someone the other day who had their dark sky meter out, um, they found it got exactly the same reading as nearly everywhere else they go. So it seems to be in New Zealand, if you just get out of town, then you're in a dark sky location.
0: We are back with instructions for you as what to do with the December night sky.
2: And for those of us who don't really read instructions, then just listen along and we'll take you on a journey of how awesome the night sky is at this time of the year. Now, you might think, for people in summertime like us, that December must be the worst time of the year to look up and observe the night sky because it doesn't get dark, probably dark, until what, 10.30 at night? Yeah, 10.30 at night,
0: that's when the the night night starts.
2: So you do have to stay up late and, you know, on a school night maybe you be sleepy the next day. But it's still uh, worth making the most of any of those clear nights to get up there, stay up late, and enjoy what's on offer.
0: So December has some really cool things to offer. Um, there is a full moon. There's always a full moon during a month, yeah, right? Just like about every month. Just about every month. <laughs> the moon does what the moon does. Not just that it gets full, but it goes close by all the visible planets in the sky. So we talk about that and when it happens. And also this month, we experience the summer solstice when we have the longest day. Yay. And I'll never get used to, I don't think I'll ever, ever get used to having Christmas in summertime. I'm sorry.
2: Well, it's the normal time of year. When else would you have it?
0: Uh, I don't know.
2: But in, in winter, winter or something silly like with, that? With
0: snow and stuff. Oh, <laughs>
2: well, that's crazy. Because how can you go to the beach, have a barbecue <gasps> and swim on Christmas Day no. if you live in an ice cube?
0: Um, And also, really cool, our second interstellar visitor comet, 2I Borisov, is at its closest approach to Earth later on in December.
2: The idea of this show is that you will get your stargazing thing on and get observing. Well, we hope so. Mm -hmm. We've been trying to keep up with that. So for the last few weeks, every weekend, we take out our telescopes and go to a dark sky location. and It's Plano's New Zealand. Just so we know... What we're talking about when we ask you to look up.
0: Well, we felt ashamed that we haven't done this for a while, so we thought we're going to commit to this and go and observe every weekend.
2: So the sight that will greet you now, when you go outside about around about 10 o'clock, I suppose, you will start seeing. Well, well, you start seeing the sun disappear. Obviously, it's well gone by then. And clouds. And, and clouds. Hopefully, they're gone too. But what you'll first, start, you'll probably see if you're looking with sharp eyes, is Canopus. And then, of course, if you look up a little bit further, you'll see Arkana. And then a little bit further, you'll see And They make kind of a nice line of three stars. Now, closer to the horizon, you'll probably also see Sirius start to appear.
0: Yeah, if you wait a little bit more. Mm. So we had to wait until almost 11 to see it properly.
2: Yeah, that was when it was dark enough and open high enough. Mind you, there was a mm. little bit of cloud on the horizon, which mm. probably stopped it. But what you've got there... Of course, is you've got this big patch of sky which doesn't have a whole lot in it from what the naked eye sees. And then on the horizon, on the eastern horizon, and sort of from, I guess, southeast to sort of northeast, you've got the Milky Way stretching all the way from the Southern Cross to the south, and then nearly around to, well, not quite north, but maybe Mm. northeast, you've got Pleiades. And so between them, you've got the whole Milky Way just sitting there on the horizon. In fact, in December, it's starting to tilt up a little bit. Not Mm. quite the same as November.
0: And we're actually looking towards the outskirts of the galaxy because Orion is towards the edge.
2: So we've lost the opportunity to see uh, Scorpius and all that. Fun clusters and nebula because it's oh, long gone. Bye
0: bye, Scorpius. Then yeah. The sun is now inhabiting those uh, constellations. So yeah. look for Orion on the eastern horizon as it reappears in the night sky. And for the next half year, the sky will be dominated by, uh, by Orion and actually by bright stars. And it's not so much the Milky Way, but these stars that we're going to see in the sky. And we see, you said we started seeing Canopus, and the reason for that is that Canopus is really high in the sky.
2: Kind of pops up. Yeah, first, yeah, Yeah. because it's the
0: second brightest star as well. And Mm. the reason you don't see Sirius first is because Sirius is very close to the horizon.
2: Are you serious?
0: Uh, (laughs) I am serious. Look for Sirius, the dog star, to the right of Orion's belt.
2: And, of course, the other really bright star that you'll see is number three, which is Alpha Centauri. And, of course, Alpha Centauri, when it appears, that's pointing, well, it's because it's one of the pointers, of course, is pointing towards... The Southern Cross, which won't quite be there when you first see it in the evening. You've still got to wait about half an hour to an hour, then you'll see the rest of the Southern Cross. But still, it's there, and Alpha Centauri shines in all of its glory.
0: And and they're really cool because when you look at Orion's Belt, and New Zealanders here call it the pot, for obvious reasons, because it's Cause it looks down. like a pot. <laughs> it looks like a pot. So you've got Orion's Belt. It doesn't Belt. look
2: like a joker with a sword and a shield, that's for sure.
0: No, no, no. Okay, fine. So... <laughs> It doesn't. No, it, it does look like a pot. So you look at Orion's belt, and Orion's belt is p- parallel to the horizon. And then what you have to do is you, you really stretch your arm, and then you stretch your fingers, like, a lot. So from your pinky to your thumb, you have almost 22 degrees. And that's the distance between the edge of Orion's belt to Sirius. So that's how you find Sirius. Or just
2: look for the brightest star in the story. If
0: Sirius is on the horizon. Other than the then... sun. Other than the sun, yes. Yeah. On the other side of Orion's belt, but to the left, you will see Aldebaran.
2: Which is a lovely red star.
0: So they're both at the same distance from Orion's belt, so that's how you can see them.
2: So the other star that actually appears, probably after Alpha Centauri at this time of the year, will mm. be is Rigel. Yeah. Because that's a nice bright star and it's quite high because it's the, well... In the northern hemisphere, it's the bottom of Orion, but in the southern hemisphere, it, of course, is at the top. You keep an eye on Rigel, and then you start seeing that the, the um, Orion's belt start appearing. And then, you know, your, your telescope should be nice and cool, and you get ready to look at the first thing, which is probably M42 or the Orion Nebula.
0: Yeah, which was spectacular, by the way. So we observed it in the um, 8-inch telescope, and then we observed it in the 16-inch telescope. And you could see the four stars, and you could see the wisps of nebula around it, and it was absolutely fantastic.
2: Oh, it looks amazing. Really, really beautiful.
0: Um, the other thing you can see to the left of uh, Aldebaran and the Hyades is obviously the Pleiades. So all these objects, the Pleiades... That are about three fingers away from Aldebaran, uh, Hyades, and then 22 degrees to the right, Orion's Belt, and then 22 degrees to, to the right, you see Sirius. Yeah. They're all in a line. And then if you turn around about 60 degrees from that, you can actually see Alpha Centauri. And I know because i measured it.
2: So that's our boring old galaxy, the Milky Way. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, let's face it, there's not a lot in there. It's only 400 billion stars. Yeah. And some nebula, and, well, there's our solar (laughs) system, which is quite handy for us. But actually, at this time of the year, you can see a whole lot more than just the Milky Way by checking out the area that's almost up by the zenith, and starting with uh, one of my favourite galaxies, Sculptor Galaxy. And it's um, nice and bright and really easy to see. It's a spiral galaxy, but it's kind of, it's not edge on, but it's on quite an angle, so you don't really see the spiral arms unless you've got a... Super powerful telescope, but what it looks like in the eyepiece is just on a smaller telescope, it looks like a big smudge that goes across the whole eyepiece. And if you've got a really dark sky location, it will take up the whole eyepiece. It's quite big. And then if you've yeah, if you, if you have a decent sized uh, telescope, you can also see a little bit of it's almost like sparkly little knots of kind of something in there, you know, which is kind of cool.
0: I drew it. I drew it um, last week and it was really cool because there are three stars there. Mm. They make a really pointy triangle and sculptor the galaxies in between these three pointy stars. And it was really interesting to see how my eye adjusted to the darkness as the time passed. Because we observed like a few times we pointed at telescopes at at different times of the night because we could. And you can see the difference between an 18 inch telescope and a sixteen-inch telescope—how much light it gathers, and and how much more detail you can see in that amazing thing. But I absolutely love it, and now it's my favorite thing to find. And it's very close to Deneb Kaitos.
2: It's very easy to find. So if you can find Deneb Kaitos, that's probably, well, that's also a fairly bright what
0: star. What is Deneb Kaitos?
2: It's a star. So it makes a nice triangle with Alma and Arcturus. Anyway, so what you do is you imagine a line between Akenha and um, Formahol, and you sort of go in about three or four fingers. The fingers, you know, outstretched, so the width of about four fingers. And that's where you'll find a sculptor galaxy. And it's a, it's a big galaxy, and this kind of looks like a elliptical I mean, smudge. You
0: can almost see it with the naked eye as well. I could. Well, see you can totally see it smudge. in binoculars. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in binoculars we found it, but also with the naked eye, is like something happening. Is there some action in that part of the
2: sky? But there's a lot there, so... On your journey along your four fingers to get there, about halfway is another much fainter galaxy, uh, NGC 247, which is also kind of an elongated smudge as well. But if if you've got a big telescope, you'll totally see that. And, you know, you've got to use your best averted um, uh, vision and and nudge the telescope a little bit so it moves, so you can pick up the movement. Now, a little bit beyond Sculptor is a beautiful uh, globular cluster, NGC 288, and it's quite fantastic to look at. Now, in the Sculptor group, there's another couple of galaxies as well. There's NGC 300 and NGC 55. Now, NGC 55 is really easy to see. It's like Sculptor. Um, it's a bit thinner and longer, um, but it's almost like a line of a smudge, really. Mm. It's, kind of, it's kind, of a cool, so kind of a cool galaxy look at, so that pops out easy. NGC 300 is much harder, though. Its kind of northern equivalent would be M33. Hey. Um, and, M- and you know with M33, it's hard to see because its surface brightness... Is, is spread out over such a big distance, it's actually really hard to see it. NGC 300 is nowhere near as big as M33, but it's that, that same problem. It's sort of a face-on spiral, and all that brightness um, is sort of spread out over quite a quite a big distance. So even though it's a magnitude 7.9 galaxy, it is quite hard to see. So you, you need a really dark sky, and you need a pretty decent-sized telescope.
0: And the sculptor galaxy, like if you look at the pictures that people draw on the sculptor galaxy, looks really funny. It's almost like a ladder with shelves and in, in the sky and a bust of a statue on top of it. So it's quite a quite a funny thing. But here in the southern hemisphere, it goes all the way up to zenith, so you have really clear skies when you look up to this part of the sky. And obviously, is uh, is near Formalhaut, which is. Uh, one of my favorite stars, and Grus, which is one of my favorite constellations. And when you look at Grus, that's really beautiful to see there are all these double stars. And, you know, when you look at it with the telescope, it's even, it's even more beautiful because you can see all these double, 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 double stars.
2: Well, actually, Alpha Centauri and I am talking about. Well, we'll leave the galaxies for a moment and come back to the Milky Way. Alpha Centauri is, is actually a double star as well, as, as we know. Um, in fact, it's a triple, really, I guess, with that. Proxima, but of course the two stars that are the ones close together in alpha centauri a and b if you put one imagine it was our solar system so one of them would be where the sun is the other one would be where neptune is so imagine what that solar system would be like because those stars are kind of a bit like our sun they're maybe a tiny bit bigger but imagine that you know two stars like ours you know what kind of sunsets would you have i don't know how conducive it would be could for have, life
0: do you have life yeah could you have planets orbiting around them
2: Probably, and the planets seem to be orbiting everything.
0: Orbiting around two suns, like mm. Tatooine. How many mm. suns were on Tatooine? Was it three?
2: Two three. Three, three suns So, what are the planets up to?
0: Planets. Well, what we saw, we didn't see Saturn because it was very cloudy towards that part of the sky, which was very sad because I always love to see Saturn and it's such a beautiful, beautiful planet. But we did see Jupiter. and Jupiter has uh, um, four satellites, as everybody knows, that you can see with the telescope. We saw three.
2: But are we going to tell people the disappointing bit about December?
1: No. Saturn,
2: no. Jupiter. Don't tell them. Okay. Do not tell you them. Find out for themselves. <laughs> well, okay, tell them. Well, if you haven't seen Saturn and Jupiter this year, you better get out there in the next couple of days because they are disappearing. They're getting lower and lower in the hor- on the horizon each evening. They're getting chased around by the moon you know, at the moment, but they they won't be in view for much longer. Um, and, then, you know, Pluto's hanging around them, but Pluto will be very hard to see now because it's um, too low and it's not very bright. You've still got Neptune. Neptune's still at a pretty good altitude. And Uranus is at a pretty good altitude as well, to have a look at. But then they are tiny and they're not really great to look yeah, at. I mean, you can like see the disc of them.
0: Blue and green and not smell like cold. rotten eggs. And yeah,
2: not as cool as Jupiter or Saturn.
0: So when is the moon passing by these um, things?
2: Well, it gets close to Neptune on the fourth, so it went this week and on Wednesday. And then um on the ninth, so next uh, next Monday and Sunday that evening it's it's pretty close to Uranus. But it'll be quite bright, so you'll really struggle to and then about well actually when it's when it's almost full, it'll be in that bit of sky between Pleiades and Hades, which is kinda cool. Now of course the moon will be full, almost full, so you're not actually gonna see a whole lot. Other than a really bright moon.
0: Yeah, but still i mean these are quite bright stars
2: mm. and then of course as the as that week as, as next week comes to an end the moon will be um, going heading through gemini and then cancer and leo and by the middle of the month it'll be sort of hanging around leo virgo and then gone
0: and then christmas time comes you can throw a star party as well because there'll be no moon in the sky yeah and be good yeah will be quite cool and then the moon towards the end of the year will have a close encounter with uh mars and with venus and mercury can we see mercury i don't think we can see in fact on,
2: on well you could if you um stood on a very high hill and had a really good horizon
0: and you you wake up very early in the morning because it's in the morning sky so yeah i, I don't like mm. to wake up very early in the morning so probably i won't see mercury this month
2: well our Northern Hemisphere, um, listeners, they will see it. They will, they will have a, a really good view of it. And I mean, it'll be close to the sun, but they'll they'll certainly um, have a good view of Mercury for a little while.
0: Mm, and this month, um other than that, there's a couple of meteor showers visible. The Valids at the beginning of December and the Geminids. But um the Gemini, well, because Gemini is not so high on the horizon then it won't be so so visible the geminids is anytime between 7 and 17 of december don't look directly to the radiant because that's where the point is like where the meteors seem to appear in the in the night sky look away from it that's how you can catch most of them so we also looked towards the southern part of the milky way which was close to well near the Southern Cross and the Diamond Cross and the False Cross. And it's always a really, really good region to see.
2: And there's some amazing clusters in that area. I mean, there's the awesome nebula, of course, Edicarina Nebula. But there's some clusters. And there's one cluster in particular that I really like, which is um, Gem Cluster, which is uh, really close to Eticarina. And it probably doesn't get spoken about much because of its um, you know, really uh, photogenic neighbour. But this is, um, this is Gem Cluster. It's a lovely, tight little cluster, NGC 3293, a magnitude of 4.7. Kind of a little bit like Jewelbox. Um, I think it's nicer than Jewelbox. I guess because Jewelbox gets all the attention. But but, but on the way. It's
0: beautiful. It has beautiful, beautiful blue giants and red giants and colors and stars. It's amazing.
2: So, not far from the Southern Cross, as you sort of travel up the Milky Way, you'll come to Pearl Cluster, which is another tight little cluster, uh, NGC 3766. That's a nice one. The stars in there, they're not so variant in colour, but it's still a beautiful one to look at. Then there's this other one, which is really amazing. I think it's called the Wishing Well, which is NGC 3532. And it's like a sea of stars. And, you know, it just fills the whole eyepiece. You know, the whole. you put a big eyepiece in there and it's just full of these stars. It's amazing to look at. And then, of course, um, getting a little away from um, Ida Carina up towards the Southern Pleiades, which is at the bottom of the Diamond Cross. That's a lovely open cluster. And, you know, you can see why it's called the Southern Pleiades, because it kind of looks a little bit like Pleiades. not as bright and big, but uh, um, kind of looks the same-ish in the, in the eyepiece. You've got these hot blue stars.
0: And it also looks like the letter M, and I love this about it, because the other one that looks like what it says is the coat hanger in the Northern Hemisphere. that yeah. looks like a coat hanger, and this one looks like the letter M.
2: Yeah, and it does. It's a good
0: binocular object as well.
2: Yeah. And it, you it can could... totally
0: see the MM in binoculars.
2: And it looks really great in binoculars because yeah. it's nice and big. And then when you go up to the false cross, there's two really good clusters there. Omicron Valorum. Um, it sounds like
0: Chancellor Valorum.
2: Yeah, which is IC2391. Uh, Didn't get an NGC name, that one. But that's sort of off on the far side from uh, the Milky Way. And then um, heading towards the Large Magellanic Cloud, just above the false cross there, You've got NGC 2516, which is known as the Southern Beehive Cluster, and actually, when you look at it, it looks like a whole lot of bees swarming around, and it looks it looks quite cool. You can see why the Southern Beehive was picked for its name.
0: When we also have the Magellanic Clouds,
2: and of course, in a dark sky location, the large. Magellanic Cloud stands out. It really does stand out. It's very irid- ir- iridescent.
0: It does. It was surreal when we looked at it <coughs> in, in the weekend. And they're really easy to find. So if you find Sirius, the brightest star in the sky, and then Canopus, the second brightest star in the sky, you pretend you draw a line from Sirius to Canopus, you extend that line, you find the Magellanic Clouds. It's as easy as that.
2: Yeah, and in the dark sky, you can't miss it. You really yeah, or, it or you just get there. yourself
0: a dark sky and then yeah. you don't need to do all these measurements.
2: And it's funny because you look up and you'll see a cloud and you'll think, oh, there's a cloud up there. But that cloud's actually the Large Magellanic Cloud, not a um, cloud in our atmosphere.
0: And, and in the city, when, when you're like in Wellington, when we are here, it's quite hard to see and you have to use your averted vision or your peripheral vision. And
2: a bit of imagination. And a bit
0: of imagination. But when you go to a dark sky location, it just pops out and it's absolutely
2: phenomenal. And of course, it's the big spider, which is the... The draw card for our attention in the large Magellanic Cloud, the Tarantula Nebula, and that's a stunning complex of a huge area of nebulosity.
0: And you can see the details, <coughs> you can totally see the details on, mm. on the Tarantula Nebula.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of got little round structures, you know, circular structures that kind of look a little bit like a spider, you know. I think well, with all these things, there's always a bit of imagination, isn't there?
0: Yeah, and in the small Magellanic Cloud which is equally amazing just that it's smaller. The small Magellanic Cloud is also amazing and it's our neighboring galaxy that is 200,000 light years away from us. So it looks smaller than the large Magellanic Cloud that it's 160,000 light years away from us. In the small Magellanic Cloud, we have my favorite globular cluster in the whole world, 47 to
2: Ah, oh, I thought you were gonna say NGC three six two, which is the other globular cluster, which is close to the small Magellanic cloud, and often overlooked because of its photo hungry neighbour. But well, it is no. actually a really nice globular cluster in its own right. So it's quite a tight one, very bright as well. But I'm sorry. N- n- not the same as forty seven. I'm sorry, I
0: like forty seven Tukai. No, maybe you haven't
2: seen NGC three six two.
0: But I did. It is a beautiful cluster indeed. Mm. It is Smaller
2: than oh, much smaller. Yeah, well, you know, visually much smaller. But still, they're both very stunning, and and you know, it's very hard to compete with 47 Tuc. It's a very bright globular cluster. You can see it naked eye. Now, if you're struggling to find the small Magellanic Cloud, uh, just look for the large Magellanic Cloud and something that looks a little bit like it, but a wee bit further away.
0: So this is our tour of the night sky. These are some of the amazing things that we observed in the night, and this is what you can see in December.
2: And it's it's amazing. It's a really, really good, you know, despite being a short sort of summer evening, there's still a lot of really cool things you can see, especially those galaxies up high. They look magnificent. Mm. Now, of course, on the later in the month, it is, of course, the uh, summer solstice
0: where we have the longest day of the year and the shortest night which we're not very <laughs> we're not very enthusiastic about because it shortens even more
2: yeah maybe the like the worst day for astronomy
0: the worst day for astronomy is gonna come soon
2: but the moon might be too bright so so you know, heck, yeah, we can have a like moon
0: a... party so it's really interesting right because in new zealand in december the stars really shine from about ten thirty at night until i don't know three four or five in the morning maximum so, so you don't four. really have too much time. And we know we have this amazing sky. Orion is in the sky. In the Northern Hemisphere, we have the Winter Triangle. Um, and, and here you have all these stars shining. But um, it, it's, it's just amazing how short the night is. But speaking of solstice... We've interviewed Richard Hall and Kay Letter who are there at Stonehenge Aotearoa every day and they gave us an amazing glimpse into ancient civilization and we talked about calendars we talked about zodiacal constellations we talked about how they built Stonehenge Aotearoa and who did it and
2: Well the amazing thing about it is it's an observatory it really is an observatory and it's got and it's a design it's got hard coded a bunch of things that happen and of course the sun during the equinoxes and the solstices is the thing that's hard-coded into six of the stones. So there's one of the stones you look at, if you stand right in the middle, and you look at this stone, and it's perfectly matched to the height of the, there's a hill a few miles away, so it's perfectly matched to that horizon created by the hill. And that's where the sun will set on the longest day. And it's quite amazing. It is exactly at that point the sun will appear to be just sitting on top of that stone, which is quite amazing.
0: I'm really looking forward, actually, to uh, to see. I was we saw the sunset now, and the sun was just a little bit aside from there, and I was just standing there imagining um, how would it look in December. They have actually three stones. So one is for the solstice, the winter solstice. One is for the equinox, and one is for the summer solstice. So you can totally tell the path of the sun in the sky, and uh, it is a modern representation of a Stonehenge, of the Henge of Stones. But it doesn't
2: stop the local druids coming out. So while I've got my solar telescope out, trying to look for a fleeting glimpse of a sunspot, which doesn't seem to be a whole lot these days anymore, um, I'll have to be careful that I don't um, knock into any druids dancing around.
0: We hope that maybe one day you can come to New Zealand, or if you are in New Zealand, you can come to Stonehenge Aotaro and share a beautiful night of stargazing with us, and from many other location in New Zealand, of course, where we have dark sky, which is basically anywhere away from a, from a city.
2: Mm, and certainly not central Wellington.
0: And we hope you have an amazing end of year with beautiful gifts and, and amazing planning ahead and all your wishes come through. And we wish you clear skies so that you can always see the stars. And as we say, always remember that we are made from the
2: same stardust as they are. Have a great Christmas. See ya. Bye. (music)